Biblical Hermeneutics Podcast, where we explore biblical hermeneutics so we can discover how to live biblically for God's glory. Welcome to the pilot episode of the Biblical Hermeneutics Podcast. So glad you decided to join me on the adventure of exploring biblical hermeneutics. I hope not to disappoint too much. I wanted to introduce and kind of start this first episode with discussing some definitions and what exactly is meant by biblical hermeneutics. And we'll also take a look at some other terms that are going to be used a lot throughout the podcast, uh, such as exegesis, eisegesis, hermeneutics, biblical hermeneutics, interpretation, things of that nature. My name is John Oglesby, and I am the host of the Biblical Hermeneutics Podcast, and I had the desire to begin this podcast because of the importance that I see biblical hermeneutics has in all of worldview, especially in its foundational nature. Now, I've taught hermeneutics for uh, quite a few years, and I've taught it in multiple contexts at multiple universities, Uh, and it's funny, every time that I mention uh, the idea of hermeneutics, you always get this look of, what in the world is this dude talking about? What is hermeneutics, and why am I even in this course? And when you look out and you mention it and you look out at the course at the classroom and it's full of higher education students who are looking at you with uh, confusion, uh, it's always quite humorous. And if you have students who know what hermeneutics are, maybe they were raised in the church or their family uh, has seen a great importance on hermeneutics and so they've taught the students uh, what, taught their kids I should say, what hermeneutics actually means, Uh, It's often the case that even if they understand what hermeneutics are, uh, there's a a lack of understanding on what the difference is between biblical hermeneutics and basically any other type of hermeneutics. Sometimes it's thought that hermeneutics only has to do with the scriptures, but that's just not the case. Hermeneutics is important for many, many different reasons, and I would suggest is utilized in any sense of communication whatsoever. The biblical account is simply God's communication. The creator of the universe has communicated, uh, and he's given us the opportunity to understand that. And so, of course, it does make that of the utmost importance. But nonetheless, hermeneutics is used in many different contexts and in many different ways. And so I see the topic as being important not only for understanding God's communication, but also for understanding communication between peers uh, and fellow humanity. And so let's get into some definitions. First, I want to look at hermeneutics. What do I mean when I use the term hermeneutics? Not necessarily biblical hermeneutics, but just hermeneutics in general. The origin of the word, it really comes from Hermes, the messenger god for the Greeks, or the Greek word hermeneia, which means to translate or interpret. And that's its, its etymology. That's the root of the term hermeneutics. I'm going to go ahead and start with my definition of the word, and then we'll look at some others and how they might define it. Mine, I would define it this way. It's a set of principles, and so it's the rules behind something, and it's utilized for the translation or interpretation of any given communication. So a few different uh, parts here that are important. One, it's a set of principles. It's, it's the set of rules that are used for the translation or interpretation, the discovery of meaning, and it's for any given communication, not simply the Bible, but most importantly the Bible, Uh, But it's also used for oral communication, uh, for written communication outside of the scriptures. It's used, I would suggest, even for things like body language, right? We have to have a a grid by which we understand the way someone presents themselves, facial expressions, things of that nature. 
And so hermeneutics, it's the rules behind all of that communication. And so it's really a, more of a broad term than oftentimes we see it used in the church. Roy Zook in Basic Bible Interpretation, he, he defines it this way. He says, it's the science or the principles and art or the task by which the meaning of the biblical text is determined. Okay, so Roy Zook gets a lot more uh, narrow as he looks at the meaning of the biblical text. Now, in the context of his book, it's called Basic Bible Interpretation. But he defines hermeneutics as a broad term. He defines it in a very specific sense. The other thing that's most common, very common amongst scholars, is this idea it's the science and the art. And I would actually uh, go against that. I, I think, sure, it's the science, it's the principles, as Roy Zuck uh, specifies, but I wouldn't suggest that hermeneutics includes the art or task of interpretation. Instead, hermeneutics are the rules behind said interpretation. Once you get into the actual act of interpreting, you're looking at exegesis and eisegesis, which I would suggest are the results of a particular hermeneutic model or a particular set of principles utilized for interpretation of communication. And so I like Roy Zook's definition, but I do have a couple issues with it. I think it's too uh, specific, too narrow, and it includes the, uh, the actual act of interpretation in the definition of what hermeneutics is. Uh, and that's, that's going to be pretty common. A lot of scholars will do that. A lot of scholars that I respect very highly, Roy Zook being one of them. I like his book, Basic Bible Interpretation. I think he does a, a very good job dealing with some specific things. Uh, but I do, I do not like the definition given here. Uh, next, we'll go to Grant Osborne in the hermeneutic spiral. And he says this, hermeneutics is a science since it provides a logical, orderly classification of the laws of interpretation. And hermeneutics is an art. For it is an acquired skill demanding both imagination and an ability to apply the laws to selected passages or books. Again, he goes with the science and the art. He defines it a little bit differently. He throws in a little bit of imagination there, which I'm not a huge fan of either. But he also, uh, there at the end, an ability to apply the laws to selected passages or books. Now, note, this is not dealing with the actual application, but simply the ability to do so. And so there might be a little bit of a nuance there. But nonetheless, he would say it's the science and the art uh, of interpretation. Uh, but he does, he does, in the science, provides an orderly classification of the laws of interpretation. So he is still dealing with the principles there. Uh, Craig Blomberg, in an introduction to biblical interpretation, he says this, quote, Hermeneutics describes the task of explaining the meaning of the scriptures. Hermeneutics describes the principles people use to understand what something means to comprehend what a message is endeavoring to communicate. The second part of his definition there is very good. Hermeneutics describes the principles people use to understand what something means, to comprehend what a message is endeavoring to communicate. It places the, the, the uh, role of the communication on the message or the person giving the message. Uh, it's the principles behind the receiver of the communication, understanding that message. I really like that. His first one describes the task of explaining the meaning of the scriptures uh, not as big of a fan there, again, dealing with the actual idea of interpreting the passage. Walter C. Kaiser Jr., in his book, Toward an Exegetical Theology, defines it this way, quote, hermeneutics may be regarded as the theory that guides exegesis. I really appreciate his definition here as well. It's simple. Uh, it's pretty straightforward to the point. My only issue with his definition is that hermeneutics is the theory that guides interpretation, but exegesis is a little specific. Because as I will later argue, 
invalid principles of hermeneutics will lead to eisegesis, uh, or maybe I should say incorrect uh, principles of hermeneutics will lead to eisegesis, which is a form of interpretation. I would just su suggest it's the wrong form of interpretation, but nonetheless, hermeneutics will lead to that if, the, if your hermeneutical principles align with that type of interpretation. But if hermeneutics principles align with a different uh, type of interpretation, known as exegesis, uh, then Walter Kaiser Jr.'s definition is, is appropriate. Uh, I think it's just a little too specific there at the end. And then, uh, humorously, Robert Thomas, in his book Evangelical Hermeneutics, he defines hermeneutics as a set of principles. Now, I, I will say in the given context, it's pretty clear that Robert Thomas is dealing with certain set of principles uh, having to do with interpretation, but his actual definition is simply a set of principles, uh, which is, is uh, overly simplified. But again, given in the benefit of the doubt there, in the context of the chapter he wrote that in, it very much has to do with interpretation. So again, I would define it as a set of principles utilized for the translation or interpretation of any given communication. Well, there's a little bit uh, of a loaded term there with translation or interpretation. I would actually suggest uh, that translation is interpretation at a certain level, but maybe we'll get into that in another episode. And so that would be my definition of hermeneutics. Now, as I mentioned earlier, hermeneutics, the principles behind interpretation, are going to lead to one of two things, uh, and that is either exegesis or eisegesis. Okay, Exegesis, I would suggest, and we'll get into in a later episode, is what we should be striving for. Exegesis, uh, my definition for it is the practice of implementing valid hermeneutical principles resulting in the receiving of information from the received communication. So X is, is out of, out of the text is where we find the meaning. Exegesis, you're implementing valid hermeneutical principles and those will lead, which are utilized for the translation or interpretation. If they're, if they're correct, they'll lead to the receiving or the discovering of information from the received communication, whether that be the biblical account or a conversation with your sibling or uh, f fill in the blank. Any communication there, exegesis is where you are letting the you're you're letting the communicator define the meaning, and you are discovering or receiving the information or the meaning of that information from the received communication. Okay, Roy Zook again in Basic Bible Interpretation he defines it this way: the determination of the meaning of the biblical text and its historical and literary contexts. Now, those last two historical and literary contexts are a bit loaded, uh, and we can get into the specifics of what he's intending there and what he means there in a later episode as we deal with context and the importance of context in the interpretive method uh, and, and as it applies to the rules of hermeneutics. Uh, but he's trying, to, he's trying to convey you're allowing the author, the person who initiated the communication, to define the meaning uh, that's with that's packaged within that communication. Walter Kaiser Jr. in Toward an Exegetical Theology, he defines it this way, the practice of and the set of procedures for discovering the author's intended meaning. He puts it very, very plainly there. Anthony Thistleton writes a book called New Horizons and Hermeneutics, and he defines it this way, exegesis and interpretation denote the actual processes of interpreting the text. I really appreciate that definition. Uh, he is uh, dealing with, he's, he's, he has separated the idea of hermeneutics and interpretation. Hermeneutics are the principles 
uh, exegesis and interpretation, those are the actual processes of interpreting the text. Okay, so now we have two separate uh, categories, which I, I am uh, fully supportive of. Robert Thomas, an evangelical hermeneutics, he says it's the implementation of valid hermeneutical principles. So as we look through these, as you look at my definition, I've kind of taken some of uh, some of these different definitions and kind of combined them into what I would suggest is a complete definition of exegesis. And so I'll repeat mine again. It says exegesis is the practice of implementing valid hermeneutical principles, as that looks familiar there with Robert Thomas, resulting in the receiving of information from the received communication. Okay, so you're pulling meaning out of the text. And then eisegesis is simply the opposite of that. It's putting, it's putting meaning into the text. And so I would define it this way. Eisegesis is the practice of implementing invalid principles resulting in the injection of information into the received communication. Right? So exegesis is pulling meaning out of the text. Eisegesis is placing meaning into the text. Not as the communicator, but as the receiver of the communication. So you've received this communication and if you're performing eisegesis, you are defining that meaning. You're placing the meaning on the text. And I would suggest that's an invalid way of communication. I mean, think about trying to communicate with anyone. If I can say anything, and the receiver of the communication can define it however they wish to define it, and then hold me accountable to that communication, I might as well just stop communicating. It's a very dangerous thing for me to say anything if I don't get to define what it means or what I meant by that communication. And so eisegesis can be a very dangerous game to play, uh, and I think it's an invalid way of interpreting any communication, and it's very dangerous. And so for, in order for us to understand this a little more fully, I want to do a quick exploration of communication in general. What happens whenever someone communicates? Uh, think of it this way. Think of a Christmas present. And so uh, you have, uh, you are the giver of the present. Okay. And so you take this, you take this item, whatever it might be, you put it in a box, and you wrap it, you package it in some type of wrapping paper, right? I, I prefer the really cheap stuff, the stuff that's easy to rip apart, the stuff that's really like expensive and really nice. It's so hard to unwrap. Uh, especially for children. I have two kids, uh, and they always hate the expensive wrapping paper, which I'm okay with because that means I get to buy the cheap wrapping paper, uh, and it's much easier to tear for the kids. But anyways, you wrap it in this wrapping paper. You wrap this gift in a wrapping paper, and then you give the gift to whoever you mean to give it to. Okay, So you've taken an item, you've packaged it, and you've transported that package to whoever the receiver is. Now it's the receiver of the gift's job or role now to unwrap and discover what's within the box. What have you given them? It's the same thing we do in communication, right? So as I'm, as I'm communicating on this episode of the podcast, I have knowledge, whether it's right or wrong. I have knowledge. I have information that I want to provide you uh, through the avenue of language. And so what I'm doing is I'm taking the information, I'm coding it within uh, language, Right, so I'm using language as a, as a sort of vehicle to provide this information and knowledge. Okay, And so as I package it, I've packaged it in language, and now I'm using the microphone, and you're using whatever you're listening to, for the language to then uh, transport to you. 
And then it's going to be your job as the receiver of that communication to decode it. And the, the principles that you use to decode that language, that, that is hermeneutics. So how do you unwrap the, the, the communication that you've received? Okay, so as we communicate, all I'm doing is I'm packaging knowledge, giving it to you, and it's your task to discover what's within that package. Just like a gift at Christmas or, or a birthday, right? You package it, you give it. The person who received it, it's their task now to unwrap it and discover what's inside. I will say uh, unwrapping language or decoding language uh, can be much, much more difficult uh, than unwrapping a Christmas present or decoding uh, the gift inside the Christmas present. But nonetheless, it's very similar. Uh, that, that is the same, uh, same concept there. Now, what happens within communication, there's this thing where uh, noise within communication can happen. So as we're, as we're communicating, there are some things that can distract you from being able to decode the language. One of those things is that I can be a poor communicator. Right? I don't communicate well. I don't package my meaning very, very tightly. I'm not precise with my wording. Uh, I, I don't use the right structures within the language. And so now that you receive it, you have to overcome those obstacles. And we'll deal with some of the noise that we deal with with interpreting the scriptures. Uh, but one thing we do get the benefit of is that the Bible is God's communication. And he is the perfect communicator. So there is no noise on his end. Uh, but, unfortunately, we are fallen human beings, and although we are regenerate in Christ, uh, we still have our own shortcomings. But nonetheless, we have to deal with the noise, and we'll deal with that in some of the other episodes, but it's important to understand that that exists. So it's not like we have this perfect code in our own communication, and then I'm perfect at unwrapping it. And I don't want to, actually, that's a, it's a good point to kind of step aside for just a second. As, as, I, as I adventure down this podcast, as we're looking to explore the topic of biblical hermeneutics, I'm going to try my best to, to teach it well, to teach what I know to be true, to bring others in through interviews and discuss some of that stuff together and, and more extensively. Uh, but I don't want to come across as, this, as if I'm perfect in this, as if I know everything. I certainly don't. I have much to learn, uh, and, and I enjoy the journey. But as I learn things and as I become more and more certain on certain issues within the idea of biblical hermeneutics, I want to share those with you guys. Uh, and so I'm going to try to minimize the noise on the communication and uh, communicate as clearly and as precisely as I can. But of course, I'm always open to your feedback and would love to have further communication as we venture down this route. Okay, so we've looked at hermeneutics. We've defined a couple terms related to hermeneutics. We've looked at communication. And now I want to get into biblical hermeneutics. What do I mean how would I define this idea of biblical hermeneutics? There's really two possibilities. And the first one is what most people refer to as biblical hermeneutics, but it's not what I'm referring to, and I'll tell you why. The first possibility is that it's hermeneutics, or the principles of interpretation, revolving around the Bible. Right? So what's the proper way to interpret the Bible? That's biblical hermeneutics. Okay? So it's, 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 it's hermeneutics regarding the Bible, biblical hermeneutics. But that's not actually what I use it as. And this is why the problem with it is that the Bible is written using human language. Now, we know that God communicated, and that's, that's the biblical text. But we also understand that God used people. And people wrote 
just as if people would write anything else, right? We see this in, in Peter's letter, Peter's epistle, that men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God, but nonetheless used human language. So I would suggest that while the Bible is a divine text, no doubt, because it came from God, uh, the, the Bible is, is special, and because of its source and because of the authority it carries, when you get down to understanding it, there's really no difference when me understanding the Bible is me understanding any other written communication, right? Whether that be the newspaper or a press release or whatever the case may be. Nonetheless, in either case, I'm looking at human language, trying to understand the information that has been coded within that human language. And so I wouldn't suggest that the first definition of biblical hermeneutics is warranted. Um, it just isn't. I don't believe it's, it's, there's, there's just no difference. And so hermeneutics applied to the Bible, sure, can be biblical hermeneutics, uh, as if the, the Bible is the object by which I'm uh, applying these principles of interpretation. That's fine. I wouldn't call that biblical hermeneutics. I would define biblical hermeneutics as the hermeneutics which are from the Bible. And so instead of the Bible being the object by which I'm applying hermeneutic principles, the Bible becomes the source of my hermeneutic principles. That is going to be biblical hermeneutics. It's hermeneutics which are, in fact, biblical. Um, and it's a difficult task to discover hermeneutics that are biblical, but that's what we're striving to do. That's what I want to do. And we'll understand why that is in the, next, in the following episodes. Right now, we just want to define it. So when I talk about biblical hermeneutics, I'm dealing with principles of interpretation that are derived from the scriptures. And there's a couple examples of this in practice that you might want to look at. Christopher Cohn, Dr. Christopher Cohn, uh, he's the CEO of Agathon EDU Educational Group, the president of Versity in Colorado Biblical University. Uh, and he's got a website. It's drcohn.com. That's drcohn.com, D-R-C-O-N-E.com. And he does a research project using the book of Genesis and Job. And he walks through Genesis and Job, and he writes down every time that God speaks, every speech act of God, and then he identifies what is the response to that speech act. And so you're reading through the scriptures, and you see God speaks. Now, how did the audience understand God, and is that the way that God intended for them to understand it? It's a fascinating study, and he walks through Genesis and Job, which covers about 2,000 years of, of human history. Uh, if, if you're taking the book of Genesis as uh, normative, if you're not, then it covers more than 2,000 years of human history. Uh, and we see multiple speech acts. And the reason he includes Job there is because Job is written during the time of the patriarchs, which is recorded in the book of Genesis. So it covers the same time period, if you will much shorter time period but it's in it's it's complementary to the book of genesis and so he works through that and i would suggest you go and look at his website and actually read through the research and see what exactly did he do and what are the results specific results uh but at, at, in uh, spoiler alert what he finds through that uh process is that the audience understood the lord in a normative way based on the normal rules of grammar and language and human language it's a fascinating study. And then as I read through that and as I learned from Christopher Cohn, I decided, you know what, I want to do the same thing, but I want to do it in the book of Revelation. 
the book of Revelation is, is uh, oftentimes utilized to show this high level of figurative language and how we should understand the book of Revelation in a symbolic way, whether that be because of a designated genre or whatever the case may be, that it needs to be understood symbolically. And so I wanted to go through the book of Revelation, and I did so. And you can go to my website and see that. It's johnoglesby.org. And you can look and see that every speech act in the book of Revelation received a normative response from its audience. And so it would seem that the biblical account shows us that we should understand the biblical text and communication in general in a normative way. So it's fascinating. And so this kind of creates a foundation, a, a starting point, if you will, for how are we to understand the Bible? Is there some special hermeneutic that we're to apply? Should we apply a theological hermeneutic or a complementary hermeneutic or an allegorical hermeneutic or a spiritual hermeneutic or a canonical hermeneutic or fill in the blank, a cultural, a feminist, a, you know, fill in the blank on the hermeneutic? Should we be doing that to the biblical text? Is that warranted? Does the Bible tell us we need to be doing those things? Or does it just simply tell us to understand it, stand it in a normative way by not adding anything extra or special to understanding that text? And I would suggest that at a foundational level, the Bible tells us to understand it in a normative way. And so these two research projects just simply act as a case study for uh, what do I mean when I use the term biblical hermeneutics? Uh, and so I hope, I hope that's helpful. As we get into further episodes within the Biblical Hermeneutics podcast, we're going to be using these terms often. We're going to be using them a lot. And so I wanted to make sure we understood what exactly is Biblical Hermeneutics. So I hope that was helpful. As we, as we move on in the next episodes, as we move on into the future, we're going to be doing a multi-part series on why Biblical Hermeneutics. Why does this stuff matter? Why should I take the time to learn it? And why should I take the time to apply it? But for now, I uh, appreciate you all, and I will see you on the next episode of the Biblical Hermeneutics Podcast.